Hey guys, and welcome back to the Perfect Attitude Podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. Today, we have a kind of pre-season, the first kind of episode of the Perfect Attitude pre-season kind of series. We're going to kind of be doing a lot of Euros 2020 content and kind of some like reviews of different teams and, and end of season content. So today we're starting off with a keep, loan, sell episode, hence the title, where we've kind of picked out around 10 players at at Chelsea that maybe have a debate around them, whether we should keep them, whether we should loan them, or whether we should move them on to another club this summer. And I've only got the one and only Patrick Larson on the podcast today. Patrick came on, I think, our fifth episode with, with Other Side of the Coin to kind of do our Let's Go Madrid uh, review back when we weren't in the Champions of Europe. So yeah, Patrick, how are you doing and how have you been? Taryn, I'm still buzzing. Champions of Europe, man. I still can't get over it. So I couldn't be better. I'm on cloud nine. And um, thank you for letting me join you and Arvin today. Amazing. Yeah, we're so it's such a big pleasure to have you on the podcast. We've seen a lot of the great stuff you're doing on the George Benson football channel uh, on the byline. So, yeah, so it's a huge honor to have you back on. And Arvin, obviously, my co-host, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, not too bad. First, I want to start off by congratulating both of you um about that champions league success and the ways to win this trophy and yet yeah, it's just i mean it must be an incredible feeling for all of you and i know that taron you've been especially involved around the other side of the coin and you know it's, it's just incredible to be honest chelsea winning the champions league so congratulations to both of you yeah, I think it's mad that we said on kind of the, the Champions League preview that I said that Kai Havertz is going to score the goal and we're going to win one No, I don't know how that actually happened in the end, but, you know, fair big up to me for predicting that. You, you, have, yeah. to, you have to clip that now. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I, big I think ups, I was... Karen, big ups. <laughs> I don't know why. A lot of people were predicting that Havertz would score and would win. I, I don't really know. I mean, that was, that was some weird, like, juju. But, yeah, Patrick, I just wanted to quickly ask you, uh, just a little bit about the final quickly. What were you kind of up to on the day of the final? How did you kind of watch it? Were you with your family? Were you, were you with your girlfriend? Who were you kind of with at the time? Well, um, I was I was actually I was actually by myself. But <laughs> you know, sometimes I like to watch football matches like that. And I just had a I just had a nice drink with me and just sat back and watched the game. Well, I watched the pre, I watched the pre match festivities with the drink sitting down as soon as the game started I was pacing around my apartment and didn't really relax until the referee <laughs> blew the final whistle I mean you know it's the same with me Patrick I know I tell people sometimes I like to just watch football on my own you know soak in Amazon people think I'm like crazy at times but you know it, I think it's just um I think it's just some people prefer to, and that's just kind of with me. Maybe next year I'll be going to maybe the Stanford Bridge thing that happened that Tom Overham went to. But yeah, hopefully that will kind of evolve in the future. And Arvind, how did you kind of watch the game? When Patrick says um, he was watching football on his own, like again, Taryn, you can call us, you can call all three of us crazy, but that's just how I like to watch football. Every time, every time my mum's in the house, she's never getting into the living room. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she has to stay in the bedroom or something I don't, I don't know I just I love to watch football games on my own yeah same thing to be honest just analyze the game but um yeah no I was actually rushing back from work and the time the final um I think it was I think it was 7 30 that I actually left so I, I mean I just made it just before kickoff so yeah and it wasn't really the best of watches because I know that if Chelsea were on the Champions League, I know you would have been on my case for the next year or so. So it's gonna be yeah, more I mean, than a year, more than a year. But yeah, thank more you for the congratulations. Yeah, it's gonna be 
yeah five plus years minimum but let's kind of uh, start with the first topic of the video i mean yeah we're kind of doing a keep line style kind of mention before so i think it's only right that we start from the back of the pitch i mean where i say the goalkeepers are you could even say i mean let's start with kepper patrick i mean there's a lot of talk around kepper is he going to be given a few more years due to his huge price tag due to the potential and the kind of trust the board put in him when signing him is he going to kind of stay as Mendy's backup and try and replace him when Mendy's a bit older? But, I mean, there's, there's some links with Lazio. There's some links with a few other teams. His wages are so astronomical. So what are kind of your opinions on on Kepa? Do you think we should keep loan or sell? I think if there's any way to do it, I would like to sell Kepa. And okay. that's no personal disrespect to Kepa. But I think that some of the time that he played this season under Tuchel, I think part of that... I have a big feeling that part of that was by design because mm. I think, you know, playing him in some of the cup competitions and, and playing him in the odd premier league game here and there, I feel like the point was to try to boost his value a little bit. Mm. And as you said, Taryn, some of those Lazio links, and I could always see someone in Spain, maybe, you know, taking a chance on him, but I think if we can get anywhere near his value that I think we should sell him, but it's not necessarily what I think the club will do, but I think that's what I would do if I if I had the choice between those three options. Mm, yeah, I think sell is obviously the option that a lot of us would go to. I mean, Kepa was instrumental in us winning the Europa League back in 2019. And he just seems like he's a very good guy off the pitch. I mean, he's always cheering on the players. He's apparently to some journalists I'm I'm aware of, they always say Kepa's, you know, always geeing up the team, always being like a almost like a leader off the bench time. So it would be a shame, but you know, seventy-two million pounds on a backup goalkeeper. I mean, Mendy was twenty-eight million and look at the impact he's had on this team. I just think if we can, we should sell him, but it's very unlikely at the minute that, especially in this kind of climate with no fans the whole season. Are any clubs going to even get, uh, be able to prepare half of that? I, I'm not really sure, but yeah. Um, Arvin, what, are you, what kind of your thoughts on Kepa as a, as a neutral? Do you think that Chelsea should look to, to sell him this summer or do you think a loan is more likely or even keep him? Um, I don't think a loan would be suited. I think in Chelsea's circumstances, I think you should obviously sell him because, you know, you're looking to make, again, you know, big transfers this summer. I don't, well, I don't know really what Tuchel's plan is, but in terms of squad, you know, players getting older. So, you know, new chances need to come in. So, um, and obviously you're looking for a new striker. Whether that's <clears throat> whether that's an actual plan for Chelsea, I don't know. But if you if you are to do that, I think you are going to have to sell Kepa. The only issue I have that, with that is, is that, uh, you know, he obviously came in for around 80 million pounds are you going to sell him for that amount no from a neutral fan i'd probably judging off of his performances and staggering down from you know chelsea's second goalkeeper i think i'd only pay maybe up to 20 to 30 million on him and you know he's he's fallen off quite the pace but you know what patrick said about you know playing more games to try and boost his value up i, I could see that happening but obviously um He's. Uh, I don't. I don't think he should be second goalkeeper to Mendy. I think if he, if he, because he wants to get game time, he, he, he would. The only way he would get that is either from loan or leaving. So I think, for the best thing for him now is just to leave. Yeah, I think I agree that you know this summer he should look for loan. That's kind of how I think of it. Maybe with an option to buy next summer. Maybe like like you said, a twenty to thirty million thing. 
I mean, I, I just think it's unfair on Kepa that he has to stay at Chelsea. I mean, he didn't suit Lampard's kind of style of play. We relied on his aerial kind of ability a lot. And I don't think Kepa's really suited to that kind of game. So, yeah, I think alone with an option to buy is probably the best option. So, yeah, Patrick, let's kind of move on to... Let's just move on like two metres forward on the football pitch to the defence. And let's start with a player who... I mean, under Frank Lampard, I say he was our key defender at times. Kurt Zuma was scoring goals from corners. He was scoring goals from free kicks. He was, you know, being that aerial beast at the back. He was sweeping up play. But, you know, under Thomas Tuchel, it just hasn't worked. You know, we rely on a lot of ball-playing capabilities in them three centre-back roles. And I just don't think Zuma could emulate Rudiger's ability, Christensen, as P. Thiago Silva. And, yeah, Thomas Tuchel looks like he's trying to build a dynasty at Chelsea for the next five, ten years. And I just don't think Zuma's fitting at the minute. So what are you thinking about Zuma this summer? Are you trying to give him another chance to back up? Maybe a loan to, you know, the Serie A, to Ligue 1, to the, to the Liga Santander? Or do you think that, you know, we should look for a sale this uh, this summer for Kurt Zuma? Taryn, I've really struggled with this one because personally, I really, really like Kurt Zuma. I mean, how can you not like a guy whose middle name is Happy? <laughs> <laughs> so but just trying to look at it purely from a perspective of say a thomas a thomas tuchel i would definitely say that he's one of the few players that i actually believe this summer you know has true value and could actually be sold true so and also out of pure interest of kurt zuma's career i would say to sell him and the reason being is because there's a certain Chelsea Academy product, you, you know, out on loan at Swansea named mm. uh, Mark Gurhi that I would, that I am absolutely in love with. And mm. I think that he could come in and do a job and be a, be a good part of the squad. And I also think that Kurt Zuma isn't not, is not going to be happy sitting on the bench. So he's kind of in the prime of his career and, you know, tons of appearances already under his belt. So I'm thinking that he's going to be looking for a move where he can be a guaranteed starting guaranteed starter or a pretty close to a nailed on starter at, at another club. So I would say out of a combination of where, where Chelsea is right now and where, and out of interest for Kurt Zuma's long-term future, I would say to sell Kurt Zuma also because it could raise some money to help us in, in other areas, say, a defensive midfielder, <coughs> Declan Rice, or, um, <laughs> or or for for a number nine, like say mm. a like a Romelu Lukaku or someone someone of that ilk, and we're gonna and in order to do these deals, we're gonna need some we're gonna have to raise some funds somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I think with Kurt Zuma, I think we've all given him enough chances. I think as fans as a club, but. You know, I just don't think Zuma is deserved of a starting place over Rudiger at the minute, over Christensen, who's really come into a role. I mean, Christensen was crucial to our win in that final. Thiago Silva's about to sign extension. I just think Zuma's come, like you said, he's coming into his prime in his career. I believe he's 25 or 26 now. It's time for him to go to a club, really establish himself as a starting player, play upwards of 35 games a season for, you know, a Premier League club, a top Premier League club. I think he could get in at Man United. Um, obviously, I don't want him to go there, but he really, in my opinion, he's better than Victor Lindelof and, and Eric Bailly. So it's going to be interesting what would happen with Kurt Zuma. But yeah, Arvin, quickly on his value, how much do you think Chelsea could potentially get out of Kurt Zuma? This is a tough one again, to be honest. I mean, 
um, if if Tomori came back, I'd have said definitely Zuma's leaving because once because in that position in your position, uh, centre back, Rudiger, Christensen, Thiago Silva, Aspilicueta, if they're all fit, Zuma doesn't get a sniff. And the only reason that he did is because obviously certain people had to be rested, and then Christensen had, did have that injury about three weeks after the City game, so he, <clears throat> he just came back. I mean, yeah, he just came back for the final, to be honest. So. Zuma's value, um, again, I'd I'd give it a bigger price range and put it for 20 to 40 million. I think that would be the negotiating price range that Chelsea would probably, you know, accept a value at. So I, I'm not sure. I, me personally, I'm thinking 20 to 40 million. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think Zuma has very big assets that a lot of clubs could use. He has, apart from maybe the, I'd say, very comfortability, is that even a word, on the ball, he has the recovery pace, he has the strength, he has aerial ability, he has the reading of the play, he has a positional inter-intelligence. So I just think Zuma has a lot of value to his to his, um, to his his name, and any club would be lucky to have him. Atletico Madrid, maybe, a lot of other teams. So I'd probably say around 35 million would be... And off for Zuma. He's played quite a lot of games this season as well. It's not like to say, you know, with Kepa, he's only played, what, around 10 games the whole season. So I think Zuma could go for that. And yeah, let's kind of move on to the next kind of play. I mean, Patrick's already mentioned him. Uh, is, yeah, sorry. Um, did you want to say something, Patrick? Yeah, Taryn, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. No I worries. do think something along with the Kurt Zuma situation to keep in mind is to also that we have to keep tabs on the Antonio Rudiger contract situation. Yeah. Because Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's coming down to the last year of his contract, if I'm not Indeed. mistaken. Yeah, 2022, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so I think that we're going to have to look at that and see also, I think what happens with Zuma is going to really depend heavily on what Antonio Rudiger wants to do. Mm. And is he going to want to sign a contract extension? Is he, or is he going to want to find something else? And not that there's, I'm not trying to start any rumors or anything, but <laughs> I do think that's something to try to, keep in mind and I think that's going to have a, a large bearing on what happens with Kurt Zuma this summer yeah I think I'm sure you'll agree Patrick I'd rather have Rudiger sign an extension I mean he was an absolute monster in that final he is a player who has proved me wrong a lot so I'd say I'd rather have Rudiger to sign a contract I don't think Zuma comes anywhere near Rudiger at the minute in terms of ability in terms of his pedigree in the squad so yeah I'll say that's a very good point but I do think Rudiger will probably sign an extension after talk with Thomas Tuchel, I mean, surely he could. Oh, we just won the Champions League, for God's sake. I mean, yeah, let's kind of move on to, to the next kind of player. Patrick, you mentioned him earlier. I don't really want to ask you if you want to keep blowing us out. I think it's pretty obvious that you want Mark Gerhi in this team next season as a starter or even as a rotation player. But I want to ask you, Patrick, about Gerhi. What do you think he can offer to this team? And do you think if he's playing a three at the back, he can suit? Like, which kind of role do you think he can suit in our system? Well, it's probably good that you don't ask me the question because I think I made my position on that quite clear earlier, <laughs> yep. as you said. But I just think that he, number one, it's us going into our academy again. Um, Mark Gurhey has the has has the strength necessary and, and the intelligence necessary. I think he could be just fine in a as part of a back three, but I also mm -hmm. think he could be in the center part of a back four as well. Oh, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of strength. I mean you hear a lot of stories about um i'm trying to remember who it was if it was it was one of the academy guys that talk, oh, when they talked about 
Conor Gallagher that talked about when he who's the most intelligent player in the academy. Mm. Mark Gurhey's name was the one that he mentioned, if I'm not mistaken. And mm. also, when you talk about the strongest guys at Chelsea, Mark, along with Kurt Zuma, Mark Gurhey's name was always there when he was in the academy. So mm. I think he has the strength necessary to deal with, you know, the rigors of the Premier League. And I think he's got the positional intelligence necessary, especially for such a young age, to... Mm to not to not feel out of place in the team and mm. i also think that for a team for a team chemistry even if he's not a nailed on starter i think he'd be okay with that at this point if he's part of the first team and he's kind of developing that allows the likes of you know antonio rudiger andreas christensen um and most importantly like tiago silva it would give him mm. a year to learn from an absolute legend like Tiago Silva. I mean, who better to learn from, mm. you know, currently playing the game than than Omonstro himself. Mm. And so I think I think for for those reasons, I think that he would be such a good. I don't see the need to splash a bunch of money on another center back this summer to to bring someone in when you've got someone who I think would fill the role perfectly within our own academy. I mean, that's honestly an excellent point. I think there's one there's one thing going out on loan and kind of getting experience. But if you're playing week in, week out, training and like every single day pretty much with Thiago Silva, with Antonio Rudiger, with Andreas Christensen, I just think it can help your development, especially if you're working with the manager who you could potentially be playing under. Thomas Hugo could kind of speak to Gohi and kind of say, yeah, I want you here. You can play here. You can move around here. I need you sweeping these areas. I need you going up and coming back at this time. I just think that could help. I mean, what I said about the loan, that could be maybe an argument that, you know, when we had Mason Mount come straight from the academy, when we had Abraham come straight, I mean, from, from a championship loan, I mean, that was when we had a transfer ban. We needed them players. With Gurhi, I feel like we can afford to to maybe put him out for another season on loan at our Premier League club, potentially Everton, a Southampton, a Leeds, even. I think playing at Marcelo Bielsa could be crucial for him. I just, yeah, I think Gohi's a very interesting topic. He's definitely played well enough this season to to be given a shout over a lot of these other lone players. I mean, if you watch the, the playoff final on Saturday, he was definitely one of the best players on the pitch by by long distance. And yeah, I think Gohi could have a chance. And a lot of players rate him highly. As you said, Conor Gallagher. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people on football Twitter rate him highly. Some big, big names. And a lot of people at the club maybe rate him highly. So yeah, I think Gohi's a big option. I think we've discussed enough about Gerhi. Now let's kind of move on to let's kind of move on to a wing back. Now I guess Arvin, I want to discuss with you, Marcus Alonso. I mean, people are kind of arguing that yes, he could be a backup next season. Uh, he's a player you can rely on in them clutch moments. To I mean, Man City this season, uh, he can come in and score a goal. He can perform well for a few games, and he's a good rotation player. So, so my question is for you, Arvin, Marcus Alonso, keep so alone. Um, definitely say keep, one hundred percent. I think especially sometimes in the way that Tuchel rotates and rotates for the different teams. For example, against City, you know, he was perfect in that role. Against Atletico, I remember uh, seeing the lineups. He was perfect for that role. You know, he slotted in that left wing back and he did his job and he did it well. And, you know, sometimes I did, at, at the start especially, I did question Tuchel's choice to play Marcus Alonso in big games. But, you know, it panned out for him. So, I think... Definitely Marcus Lonza's a keep, but, you know, well, I mean, you've got to have a, um, a replacement for, you know, Chilwell when he gets injured or, for example, when he maybe gets injured. So I think the topic for debate is more up to Emerson. Mm, I think, yeah, Emerson, 
I think Emerson's an instant. But for me, I think Emerson's a sell. I'm sure Patrick will agree. I'm sure a lot of other fans will agree that. You know, Emerson, he's a great player, but I just would rather have Alonso as a backup. Emerson never really did it for me at Chelsea, in my opinion. He's a guy who I think is probably a mid-table Premier League player, not really, you know, a Premier League chasing uh, left-back or Champions League chasing left-back. Hence the Ben Chilwell addition, how big he was um, in the summer for, for our signing and in our Champions League victory. So, yeah, we've talked about Alonso a little bit. I think Alonso probably is a keep, in my opinion. I think we should probably keep him and, and, and utilise his, his one-off ability. And um, Patrick, my kind of question for you, this is kind of a big, big debate, I think. Jorginho now, I mean, there's a lot of debate over Jorginho. Obviously, Champions League win, he's going to go down as a legend, in my opinion, after his key performance in that victory. But with Jorginho, just the fact that he is quite inconsistent at times. And, you know, for, for a 38-game season, when we want to win the Premier League, we want to win, you know, major trophies next season. We want to build a dynasty under Thomas Tuchel. Do you think Jorginho is the one who can be that player? I know a lot of talk that Jorginho and Kova not the title-winning pivot. You've already mentioned Declan Rice to come in. Uh, really, Tashua Meni is an option. Obviously, Boubacar uh, Kamara from, from Marseille. And I think Julian Weigl from, from Benfica is an option. So, what do you think about Jorginho? Do you think, yes, we keep him? Or do you think we kind of make use of this opportunity and it's kind of time to part ways with this guy? Well, I know that Jorginho is a very sensitive topic among the fan base. Mm. There are some who are very, very pro-Jorginho and mm. some who are, I don't know about, there are some who would who would not cry at the prospect of seeing him go. Yeah. If I have to choose, I would say that let Jorginho go out on a high. And and if we if he wants to go back to Italy, like like his agent Joao Santos. Yeah, Napoli, to hint yeah. at every other every couple of days, especially at the most inopportune times, <laughs> I would I would allow him to go back. I think this would be a great time to part ways. He goes out on a high. He's he's now, regardless of your opinion on him, Taryn, as you stated, he's now inextricably linked with our history. He's part of a Champions League winning side. He played a, an important part in that. I don't think that can be debated. But he but as you said, he's had really good moments and really and some really shocking moments as well but i think that's kind of what you get with Jorginho sometimes but if if i had to and if since this is a keep loaner sell i would i would sell him and let him kind of go go on to maybe a new challenge back in italy somewhere yeah i think it's a great great point you made that you know let let him go on a high if he would have left last season when you know, a lot of stuff was talking about him under Frank Lampard, but not a lot of stuff. A lot of people were kind of debating what he really does in the system. I think he would have gone down as a player who was really a letdown at Chelsea. Now he's going to go as a player who was crucial in one of the biggest moments in our club's history. So, yeah, we saw that with Anelka, with Maluda, with Drogba. I know we can't really compare all these players to Jorginho, but I think it will be a good it will be a good option. I think if we keep him. And keep him, you know, he's a big he's a big personality in the dressing room. He has great personality on and off the pitch. And I won't be angry, but in my opinion, I'm sure you'll agree, uh, Arvin and Patrick, that if Chelsea really want to go for the Premier League title next season, then we need to sign a DM who can do what Jorginho does, but also is a player who can be consistent, who can play most games a season, who can defend to a very, very high ability, like Declan Rice, like Shuameni. I think that could be a big option. But yeah, I think I agree with you that... It could be a sell this summer. I'm sure Arvin will agree as well. So let's kind of move on to the next player, Arvin, with you. I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a, is a player who, 
I mean, before he got injured in 2019, honestly, this guy was going right to the very top. The way mm. he was playing, that goal against Brighton, the goal against Frankfurt, he was just absolutely baller. The goal against Cardiff, he was honestly coming to the top of his game. Sorry, really got the best out of him. And then, you know, a very, very silly, uh, a very good cause, but a silly preseason friendly. So, um, so Loftus-Cheek get a serious injury. And now he's struggling to get in at Fulham over Zambo and Grisa and, and Bobby Decadiva reed So, yeah, what are you thinking about Loftus-Cheek? Do you think Chelsea need to cash in in the summer? I mean, there's been rumours that Tuchel likes the look of Loftus-Cheek. So what do you think about the Loftus-Cheek situation? I mean, considering all of Chelsea's midfielders, I think he's a midfielder that adds just a new dynamic to Chelsea's midfield because obviously you've got N'Golo Kante who's your DM, you've got Jorginho who's your ball-playing DM, then you've got Kovacic who's a press-breaker. He's good at passing and yeah, and different things, so I think uh, Kovacic just goes his own way. But I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek is really that a powerhouse in the midfield gets up and down like a number eight should, like a true number eight. So I think Chelsea don't really have that type of midfielder at their well in their squad right now. So I think it'd be good for him to, you know, try and get into his Chelsea team, see if he works out. Um, so for me, really, if Tuchel likes him, I think I think he will stay. Because me personally, I think obviously Tuchel will get his own, Tuchel after his Champions League final win will get his own way, you know, on and have a big say in players that stay and leave. And for example, so I think Ruben Loftus Cheek is definitely one player that I think will stay. I think he adds a whole new dynamic to Chelsea's mid midfield. You know, certain games again, Tuchel can, you know, tactically change, and I think Loftus Cheek would be really important in that role. Yeah, I mean, Loftus-Cheek, honestly. Uh, Patrick, I want to get your opinions on this as well, very quickly about Loftus-Cheek. What are you kind of thinking about him? Because I know a lot of different fans have different opinions. Is a, a split topic at the minute. Do you think you should be given another chance in pre-season and next season? Yeah, Taryn, I, I would love to see him in pre-season training just to see how he looks. Mm. I'd say a positive, a lot of people have a different opinion about his his time at Fulham last season because as you know, there were times at Fulham where he was not in the starting 11 and it wasn't like he was an, an unquestionable starter all season long. But I think one of the positives out of the Fulham loan was the fact that he was able to make it through a full season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bit. And so I still think people have underestimated a little bit what it takes to come back from an Achilles injury. I think we've seen that with Callum Hudson Adoy, right? Exactly. And exactly. so, and so I think that there's still a good player there. I thought Arvin made some great points about about Ruben Loftus Cheek being a powerhouse number eight. And plus, I just I love our academy products. I guess that's been obvious in all the answers I've given. But <laughs> I'd love to see just what he does in preseason. And if Tomas Tuchel likes him, which I've heard the same thing, that uh, Tomas Tuchel, I trust him. So I think to give him an honest look in preseason and see where he is, and um, I'd love to see him get another shot at Chelsea. Yeah, I think Loftus-Cheek, definitely, I'd say Tuchel's system is quite narrow, if you agree with me. Even when we're defending, we seem to be quite narrow. I mean, Pep Guardiola talks about in his in his, in his his interview with Rio Ferdinand that we play quite a, a tight system, a quite transitional system. And in my eyes, I don't know if you guys agree, that suits Loftus-Cheek perfectly. That's how he excelled under Maurizio Sarri, quick counter-attacking, press resistance, breaking out of play. And kind of playing in a narrow system where Hazard was close to him, where Kovacic was close, where Giroud was close. And I just think it could work. But yeah, we'll see in preseason. 
I'll kind of discuss Gallagher a bit and you guys can kind of kind of uh, come in if you have any different opinions. With Gallagher, I generally have an opinion that Gallagher can be the next big thing in Thomas Equal system. I know there's a lot of debate over Gallagher this season at West Brom. He didn't play every single game, but, you know, they had Billich for half a season. Uh, Allardyce came in and that's not the manager who kind of develops young players to kind of get the best out of them. He's a guy who was there for short-term success. And Gallagher is just a player who presses off the ball quickly. He's press resistant. He's neat and tidy on the ball. He'll put his blood, sweat and tears on the pitch. He plays for the badge. You know, I could go all day with Gallagher. And this season, he's had a Premier League loan, whether it's at a low club. He, he had a Swansea, he had a championship loan. Now he's at a Premier League loan. I just think Gallagher is the most likely loan player, in my opinion, that could get into this team. We're weak on numbers in midfield. We need a player who can provide extra numbers, you know, when Kante got injured, Jorginho cover, we relied on him a bit too much in them days with Gilmore, who I'd say is still developing a bit, he's not had any loans or anything. I just think Gallagher is really the real deal, in my opinion, in this system. Do any of you guys have any opinions on, on Gallagher and what he can potentially do? I, I'm Sorry, sorry, Patrick. Um, Conor Gallagher, I think, I think, I don't think he'll get a look in next season, only because I think... You know, but with Chelsea's midfield, I think Kante, Jorginho. If you're if you're looking to add another DM, I think Kante, Jorginho, whoever comes in as DM, Kovacic, and you got you know Gilmore developing. And then I said, you know, if Ruben Loftus Cheek is to come in as a new dynamic to Chelsea's midfield, I don't think, I don't think Chelsea will need Conor Gallagher as much. If he could play, you know, in another position, that'd be brilliant. But I think Chelsea's, you know, five. Uh, five players in that midfield when they only need two. I think it's just it's just right for Chelsea. I don't I don't think Conor Gallagher, especially of how old is he? Twenty one, I think twenty one. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he'll be loaned out again. I um, yeah, it's I, I for me personally, I think he'll be loaned out again. Let me just double check Gallagher's age. He is twenty one. Yeah, he's born in Epsom, which yeah. is very close to it. But yeah, um, Patrick, you had something to say about Gallagher, I believe. Um, I do. I agree with Arvind in, in terms of, I think that he'll be loaned out again, but I do know I've heard the same thing about Connor Gallagher that I heard about Loftus-Cheek in that Tomas Tuchel is a fan. And I certainly would not sell Connor Gallagher yet. I think that Connor Gallagher has proven that he's, you know, a standout from our Academy. I mean, a couple of years ago, he won Chelsea's young player of the year award. And this yeah. year he won West Brom's young <laughs> player of the season award. Mm. So I thought he had a really the, the thing about Connor Gallagher that's impressed me is that whether he was at Charlton Athletic or whether he was at Swansea mm. or at West Brom, he's had a successful loan wherever he's been and he's sure. managed to make his way into the team, at least for the most part, wherever he's been. So I love that he's kind of a workhorse and that he's, you know, he has that grit that you need. And I think that he could be a good player for Chelsea down the line. Mm. But but with I think a lot of what he's going to happen to him next season is going to depend a lot on who goes out and if anyone comes in, because I think it's going to depend on does Loftus Cheek have a good preseason? Does Jorginho leave? Does you know, does something happen? Not that I expect this to happen, but does something happen with Mateo Kovacic? Mm. And so I think a lot of it's going to depend on you know incomings and outgoings. But if I had to guess right now. I would definitely say that Conor Gallagher needs to look for another a Premier League loan. I think anything less, or at least at a comparable league, but ideally it would be another Premier League loan to give him just more 
experience in the English top flight. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. There's there's a lot of different opinions on this, but the way I see, I just think Gallagher has a full package and he suits Thomas Tuchel's system a lot. But yeah, I mean, I agree as well. I mean, a Premier League loan to a to a higher up team like a, as I mentioned before, an Everton, Leeds, Southampton, even a a low Premier League team such as Arsenal. I mean, they're quite low at the minute. Could be quite interesting. But let's kind of move on. I mean, Patrick, I'll start with you on this one. This is a very sensitive topic again. I say for the fan base and Arvin, I'll kind of get your opinions because I know you have different opinions. On this particular player, I mean, Tammy Abraham this season started off very well. Uh, top scorer. I think I think he he's still our top scorer now. I think he's level with Jorginho, I think, uh, in the Premier League. But yeah, Abraham is a player who we saw last season excel. He played for the badge. He was a revelation in, in a difficult season for our club. So, yeah, Patrick, what do you think about Abraham? I mean, it's obvious that Thomas Tuchel does not rate him. He's not put him in the squad for... For many big games, you know, Willie Caballero made the final over him in the squad. So, yeah, what kind of your opinions on on Abraham? Keep blowing yourself. This this is a really tough one because I I really do like Tammy Abraham. I'm I'm I'd say only if we get a top number nine. And when I say top number nine, I'm talking in the echelon of an of an Erling of an Erling Holland or a Romelu Lukaku or. Mm very unlikely a Harry Kane Please. or someone of that ilk. Um, I would uh, only then would I sell him because I want to see Tammy Abraham do well. I have a really horrible feeling though, that he'll go to some type of club and score 20 to 25 goals a season. And it'll be another example of what if, if we had kept him, but it it's obviously abundantly clear that to me, at least that, Tomas Tuchel doesn't rate him. The fact that he didn't even make the bench for the Champions League final in a case where we can have where we have five subs. And as you said, Taryn, you had both Willie Caballero and Kepa on the bench. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we had both of our left backs on the bench again. Yep, definitely. So, so th- there's obviously no way in for him. And just again, out of pure interest of allowing him to succeed. I would say sell him, but only if we are able to bring in somebody, because obviously with obviously Olivier Giroud out the door, presumably to AC Milan, if the reports that I've heard are correct. I think that is true. And, yeah. yeah. And so before we sell him though, we've got to figure out what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. so if we can bring in, like I said, a top tier number nine and then I guess also find a backup option. <laughs> then, then only then would I would I sell him. But unless Tomas Tuchel does a U-turn on him, I don't see him getting back into the team anytime soon. Yeah, I think with Abraham, a lot of people are saying yes, we create a lot of chances. We we don't take our chances, and we need a goal scorer. So a lot of people think the instant solution is just put Tammy Abraham in the team. But I just think it's a lot deeper than that because. This system relies on quick transitional play with the likes of Werner have us all interchanging a lot. We need all of them to be comfortable playing along the front three. I don't think Abraham Stewart is playing left wing, right wing to interchange even into the into the camp position if we need to. So I just think, yeah, Abraham doesn't suit the system. We need a guy who can do that, but also score goals as well, like a Lukaku, who's not actually top of my list personally. I mean, I know it's unlikely, but Harry Kane would be the perfect sign. We'd destroy Europe would be dominant for many, many years that we got Harry Kane. But yeah, I think it's interesting what could happen. Arvin, I know you have different opinions on Abraham. I, I know you really rate him as a player. So kind of how would you differ to what Patrick said? 
in my personal opinion, he doesn't look up for the fight. And, you know, he, ever, ever since Tuchel came in, I think, you know, he's always been that player that at the start, I feel like he maybe could have got a bit more game time just to see, you know, if Tuchel actually liked him. But he was always shunned out. And I think if there's a reason, if, I mean, there must be a reason for that. I mean, Tuchel must relieve him out for a reason. And whatever that reason is, I don't I don't presume, presumably think that it's a good reason. So I think... I think he's going to be sold, and and that's just my opinion. I think, yeah, but Patrick, I, I agree with you about the fact that if I was you, I'd be worried because Tammy Abraham could go on to another Premier League team, let's say West Ham, and score many goals. And that's just my opinion. He he does score goals, you know, and he's known for doing that. But in terms of other things that Tuchel wants in a striker, he doesn't actually offer that much. Whereas someone like Harry Kane is a passer, dribbler, shooter. You know, he's a he works hard. You know, he's he's basically the epitome of a complete striker. Whereas I think Abraham lacks a lot of abilities that you know someone like Tuchel wants in that striking role. Whether Havertz could come in and maybe. You know, Chelsea signed another backup striker, maybe not Tammy Abraham. So, you know, there's a lot for this discussion. I think Tuchel needs to see what he wants to do and sort his plans out, whether he wants to play Kai Havertz in that role, whether he wants Harry Kane or Lukaku or Haaland in there. You know, that's that's up to him. I mean, yeah, I think Abraham definitely is. There's always, like, some kind of doubt that he will emulate the same kind of form as Lukaku did when he left, when De Bruyne did. I know it's a bit you know, premature and a bit over-exaggerated said this right now. But, you know, Abraham has showed that he can score multiple goals in the Premier League, in the Champions League. So, I mean, if we get rid of him, there's always that doubt that, you know, in, in five years, Chelsea could go back and spend another 70 million to bring him back. I mean, I would not really be surprised. But, yeah, let's kind of move on to the last kind of player on this list. I mean, Hakim Ziyech. Oh, Hakim Ziyech, this season, he started off so well. I really thought he was going to be the next you know, Magista, Regis, whatever you want to call it, at Chelsea. And it's just gone downhill ever since Thomas Tuchel's come in. He's had many injuries. He doesn't look like he fits the system. He doesn't look up for it. He doesn't look happy that he's not playing a lot of games. It doesn't help with how he's playing. So, yeah, Patrick, what are you kind of feeling about Ziyech? Are you thinking that we keep him another year, we kind of sell him now while we had the chance he still has value? Or, yeah, what kind of your opinions? I want to, I want to know. I'm not a big fan of giving up on a guy after just one year. Um, I think that I did the same thing, Tara, and I'll be honest with you. I, I said on a podcast at the <laughs> beginning of the season, I think I said the words like, mark my words, that that audacious left foot of his is going to wreak havoc on the Premier League. And obviously, <laughs> I was incredibly wrong, um, at least based on what's happened this year. But I would say, I'm, I'd say give him a second season. Because, you know, I'm taking into account here that like that uh, like Hakeem Ziyech, you know, he went how many months without playing? You like know, and, two I mean, at the start. You know, for and, preseason, yeah. I mean, he, he was out. I mean, the the Dutch, you know, the the Eredivisie like finished up in mm. I want to say what January or I think it like was that, March or March yeah, March. Well, so then he went from March until you know he went several months without playing any football. And then he got injured in preseason because in that first preseason match, he looked really good. I mean, I believe he, he was responsible for that long assist to in like the Butter. first two minutes. Yeah. yeah, In the first two minutes. And we're like, uh, and it's like, Oh, I'm going to love this player. Yeah. And, 
And then ever since he came back from that injury, it was kind of stop and start with him. Like he came back for a few games and then got injured again. And I really felt like he never fully grasped his place in the team. And I'd be interested to see what he does with a full proper preseason. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there's still something there. I don't think, I don't think you become a bad player overnight and not, not suggesting that anyone has said that, but I just think that I still think that there's something there, but you know, there's, there are concerns about his fit in the team. I agree with you on that, but I would love to see just what he does with the full preseason and, and a second season in the premier league. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big debate. What's going to happen with Zach? I'd say give him another season to kind of show what he's, he, I think he's shown the Chelsea fans to the board to do maybe not to Thomas Tuchel, to Frank Lampard, who, I mean, that's not really relevant anymore, but that he really has the ability to, to kind of be a big player at Chelsea. It's just, my factor is, does he have the the kind of, if you get what I mean, the kind of physicality and pace to kind of deal with the Premier League at times? He does look like he gets pressed, and when he gets pressed, he can't, you know, play them audacious balls in behind, them whipping balls to the back post. I do think there's something there, like you said. I, I believe in Hakim Ziyech a lot. He does have that X factor in the team where he could just bring something out of nothing. And, I mean, it was a famous quote at the, at the start of the season, but I believe it was by, you know, Glenn Hoddle, or I think it was by Eric Ten Hag, something like that, where he kind of said, Zick will have 10 shots in the game. None of them will be off target, but that one shot will change the whole game and you'll be thanking him for it. And I think that's that, that, that's a big trait about Zick. But yeah, Arvin, to kind of finish this show off a little bit with the kind of players, Zick, what's kind of your opinions on, on what you've seen this season and anything different to what Patrick said? Um, I think I think Chelsea would be dumb to consider even selling Ziyech or you know have any thoughts of him leaving I think again he's another player that like I said before like I mentioned Loftus-Cheek he's just a player that brings something different to this Chelsea team and you know when he's on song and when you know he's picking out those balls he does it better than no other Chelsea attacker in my opinion even Chelsea midfielders to be honest he's a better passer than all of them in my opinion and you know his his point and his execution of his passes when he when when they're on you know when they're on their money but I think I think he's just terrific and we saw that in that 18-19 season at Ajax you know he was just he was just wow he, he was incredible but um, just to mention one point about the Tammy Abraham thing I think if you guys were so worried about Tammy Abraham leaving you just put a buyback clause in and that's just uh, I had to make that point but yeah again going back to Ziyech I think again he's like Loftus coming back I think he's also that attacker that adds a whole new dimension to Chelsea's team. I think, remember when he was sporting against Liverpool, you know, he was perfect for that because he was responsible for breaking the lines in between the Liverpool press and he played them balls over to Timo Werner. You know, again, against City in the semi-final, you know, he was responsible for doing that same thing and, you know, he got the winner in that day. And again, he got an equaliser against City. So in the times that he has played, you know, He's he can always deliver those moments, and I think it'd be it'd be really really stupid of Chelsea to consider even selling him or you know have any thoughts of him leaving because again he's an, he's a midfielder that in comparisons to Pulisic, Havertz, Werner, Mount he he can just play a ball that he can he can spot a ball that nobody else spots. So I think for Chelsea, I think he's he's a definitely a keep because obviously like Patrick said. It's his first season. Werner, I mean, look at him. If 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 the same rules applied for Werner, then I think 
he should be out the door as well. But, you know, he's in his first season and still he has produced. And Ziyech, when he's had his moments as well, he has produced. So I think, again, same with Havertz as well, you know, but in some moments he has produced. So I think next season is the season where I think these these three, you know, big signings that were brought in 2020 will really push on. Yeah, I think if there's one more point to add about Ziyech is that I think a formation change next season would benefit um, on Ziyech in like a 4-3-1, a 4-3-3 as, as he was before. But I mean, there's some rumours that we're going to stick with this formation next season. Uh, I don't know if you, you've seen it, Patrick and Arvin, that Adama Traore is, is seen as a possible wing-back option from uh, Matt Law's reports. And it could be quite interesting that if we do stick with this formation, I don't see Ziyech playing first next season a lot. I think he's a guy who's he's very he's fit for a lot of niche games. Where teams like to press us, how many teams is that in the league? Like six or seven or eight max, and that's just not enough, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I think we kind of talked about all of the all of these different topics. I mean, Arvin, I don't know how you have the audacity to chat about Timo Werner for no reason whatsoever. I don't know who thinks hosting this podcast, but that does not go around here, unfortunately. But yeah, it's fine. I think Timo Werner's had a, a very good season. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that, but you know, you know what I mean. You know, all the all these big chances. As I said next season he'll he'll come mm. back better. I've seen the player develop from Leipzig from Stuttgart when he was there. So you know, he's a terrific player. But this season, you know, it's, you know, having all those goals and assists, I still think he could have done better. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting, interesting. I mean, you you'd agree on that. I know you would. Yeah, I would, but I just think he provided a lot for us and a lot in like most game season. But yeah, yeah but I think... then that, that, just, that just shows for his mentality because, you know, to miss all those chances, to keep going, you know, good on him. Yeah, I know. True to true. I think he deserves... I think Werner is probably a bit high in the pecking order for Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> he has been playing in pretty much every game. But yeah, I think we've talked about pretty much every single player. I say, I don't think we've missed any out that could be debated for. Maybe, um, I don't really think there's any. Olivier Giroud is certain to leave. Emerson will leave. Uh, Silver staying, Rudiger is obviously uh, going to stay, hopefully, with his contract extension. But yeah, I'll kind of wrap things up. I mean, let's start with you, Patrick. It's been a massive honour to have you back on the podcast after you were on our kind of first episode or one of our first episodes of this podcast. So yeah, how have you enjoyed the podcast? And yeah, what, what are your plans for the next week? Well, first of all, guys, it's an honour to be back on your podcast. And I thank you for allowing me to come on. I've really enjoyed getting to talk with you both. You both really know your football and it's always a pleasure and over the next week i'm i'm working on a big project at work that is due friday so i'll be still working on that not getting much sleep but <laughs> but but after the fourth of june i will be trying to get caught up on my sleep and um, probably going probably pivoting to some other sports i'm a big fan of um, baseball in america so mm. i i'll probably be paying attention to a little bit of that and of course, I'll be prepping for the Euros as well. I was just about to ask you, yeah, the Euros are coming up on, I believe, the 11th of June. And who will you be supporting for the Euros, Patrick? For me, it's got to be England. Yeah, I know. You were in England for a bit, right? You were living I, in I was. Yeah. I, I was. I, I lived, I studied abroad in England. Um, I did a year abroad at Oxford. And then I was also in London for about a three to four month stint as well, doing an internship. Mm. So, wow. So I've got a real, I've got a real affinity for England. And of course, when you've got someone like Mason Mount in your team, I can't help but support you. So, exactly. so I mean, plus, plus not to mention so many other talented players. I really think this is a, 
a really special generation for mm. England if, I agree. if 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 done well. I mean, you've got a you've obviously got a Grealish, uh, you've got obviously Harry Kane. I mean, there, there's just there's just an endless amount of players that are that have outstanding quality. And of course, it's going to be interesting going up against, say, a France or or Germany, of course. Mm. And it's going to be really um it's going to be a really exciting Euros, and I'm looking forward to it. Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. I think. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you said it at Oxford, first of all, like the Oxford University, that is incredible, Patrick. Honestly, that's big up to you for that. And yeah, England, this time, hopefully, Reese James, Chilwell and Mount will start at the Euros. I think they will. And yeah, uh, Germany, I'll be following Germany. Obviously, Timo Werner and Havertz will be players I'll be keeping my own. Hopefully, N'Golo Kante can do quite well with France so we can see we'll win the Ballon d'Or. But yeah, Arvin, we'll kind of finish off with you. I mean, you can finish off the podcast. Anything you'd like to say to our listeners, Um, just finish off the podcast in general. Okay, well, first of all, Lewandowski to win Ballon d'Or, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and um, yeah, obviously Euros coming up. I'd I'd hope Germany would win the Euros, um, but not so bothered by the Euros, mainly about the World Cup because I think you know that's when we get to see Hansi Flick one-legged tie merchant. So I think um, yeah, well, my plans for next week. <laughs> wow, I mean, there's no football, so I'm not going to be doing much. Just gonna be, you know, playing football instead, or I don't know, just something to do with football. I think mm. for the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, we've got that big eleven aside match on Thursday, so that should be very, yeah. very fun to do. I mean, yeah, I'll kind of wrap up this podcast. It's been a huge pleasure to have Patrick. Uh, hopefully, we can have him on in the future. And Arvin, thanks for coming on, taking the time out of your day to kind of participate in this particular particular podcast. But yeah, I'm gonna wrap things up. I'm your host, Taron, on the Perfect Patrick Podcast. Please like, subscribe on Spotify and Apple if you enjoyed, and leave us a five-star podcast review. And if not, have a great day. Thank you.